Anybody uh, see the movie uh, The Holdovers? Anybody? Actually, not, not see anybody. Oh yeah, it's a hand or two in the back there. Um, came out uh, last fall, but I saw it a few weeks ago. The Holdovers, it's pretty good. Um, it's up for a couple of uh, awards, best picture, best actor, supporting actress. It's about this group of people who uh, work and live uh, and attend this uh, very elite prep school, high school prep school in uh, New England. One's a teacher, the three main characters, one of them is this teacher, one of them is a student, and the third is a, a member of the staff. She uh, is the manager of the school cafeteria. It's set in 1970, and you can really tell, like almost immediately, uh, that that's when it was supposed to be. I mean, just by the fashion, the clothes that they're wearing, the characters, the cars they're driving, their haircuts. You really kind of feel like you're there and that it was 1970. In fact, I, I read an article after seeing the movie about uh, just that, the whole setting of it. And this, the director really wanted to capture that time. Uh, so to do that, they, uh, they filmed it in kind of uh, differently than, than typical. Um, so beyond the costumes and the hairstyles, which were pretty brutal back then, um, the director and I guess the cinematographer, apparently they watched and studied a bunch of movies that were made back right around then. And then what they did when they f made this movie, they, uh, they actually like, altered the color. It's in color, but they kind of altered it so that uh, you're watching it and it, it looks like it was made 50 years ago. Um, and the, I guess the, uh, they filmed it with these kind of unique camera angles, which were very common 50 years ago when they were making movies back in that time. So anyway, they, they did a pretty good job. I mean, I wasn't aware of that when I was watching it, but kind of after the fact, uh, it was pretty effective. You know, I think um, with the passage of time, it's easy to miss out. You can lose the context of some time from the past if you didn't yourself live it. You know, you have the old cars and you have the costumes, they help, but they can be, time can kind of cloud, I think, the way things really were. If you really want to get the feel of the time, it's gotta be more than just kind of the clothes they wore and the cars they drove. And I think that's really important when we consider the Bible, scripture because the Bible is really old. It's very, very old. So knowing the context, knowing kind of what was going on when this story was told or this event was recorded, it's kind of really important. I mean, look at this gospel. I think you get an example of it tonight. This whole leper thing. You know, the fear that the people in Jesus' time had of leprosy was totally understandable. 
because of what it did to people, what it turned them into. It was kind of almost horrifying. And it was contagious. And medicine in the first century was primitive. So they knew, they knew almost nothing except that this is a, a brutal, super contagious disease. So the prospect of getting leprosy terrorized people in Jesus' day. And I think they acted on that terror. You know, I think ignorance and fear are a dangerous one-two punch. When ignorance and fear are given a voice and given muscle, usually terrible things happen. Stupid, regrettable things happen. Here's an example. Look at this, look at this first reading, this Old Testament reading from Leviticus. You get these rules, these restrictions about how to deal with lepers. This is in the Bible, like it's not, it's not in some medical textbook. The Bible, the church of the time kind of took over. And they said basically this, if you've got leprosy, you need to be public about it, you need to announce wherever you go that you've got it, so that people will run away from you. You've gotta make your appearance clear, you've gotta like shred your clothes, so people look at you, it's almost like a, it was almost like a, a perverse uniform you had to wear. Wherever you go, you need to yell out unclean so that they'll run from you. And you had to live, it said, outside the camp. You had to leave. You could no longer live among healthy people. So if you had this disease, which made you look like sort of a monster, you need to go. Go away forever. That was the context. That's what it was like. And then you get this gospel. You got these Old Testament rules, and then you get Jesus. A leper came to Jesus, and kneeling down, he begged him and said, if you can, make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and he touched him. He took his hand. That's the opposite of the law. The law was saying, run away from a guy's hand, a leprous hand. Don't reach out, don't touch it. He takes the Old Testament law, Jesus, and he blows it up. He flips it. So, if Jesus takes rules and teachings which lack compassion and understanding, and if he flips those, so should we. Maybe that's the moral of the story. We have to do our own version of what he did. You know, Leprosy was pretty much cured in the 1940s. So we're not really dealing with lepers so much anymore. But you know what? This gospel was never really about leprosy, I don't think. 
It was about how they treated those with leprosy. It was about the treatment of those desperate people. Interesting, that Old Testament reading, and even in the Gospel, priests are referenced. It says, go to the priest if you've got leprosy. Go to the priest. Why would you go to the priest? Why wouldn't you go to, go to a doctor? Because in their ignorance, they thought that somebody with a disease this awful must have done something equally awful in order to have gotten this horrible disease. In other words, it had to be some kind of punishment from God. For you to be, to be this bad off, you must have done something horrible. So, exclusion, separation, distancing, banishment, they were all appropriate. They weren't, they weren't even appropriate, they were the rule. And Jesus says, nope. Nope. We're not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. In fact, I'm going to do the opposite. You know, that movie I mentioned, The Holdovers, like I said, it, uh, you know, it took place on this prep school. It took place over Christmas break. So the movie takes place over the course of about two weeks, right before they leave and pretty much right when they come back. And I said there were three main characters. There's this kid who has to stay on campus over Christmas break because he's got nowhere to go. He comes from this pretty awful family. His mother has recently remarried and she's decided to go on a honeymoon over Christmas. So like the day before he's ready to leave, she calls him and says, you know, we're not going to be here, so stay at school over Christmas. And then the other role, really the main role, is this teacher. His job is he has to stay now and chaperone this kid. And he's a pretty miserable, unhappy, lonely guy. Faculty really has no respect for him. His students hate him. And then the third character, like I said, is this uh, staff member. She works in the cafeteria. She's grieving the loss of her son, who was killed in Vietnam the year before, during the war. And the movie really involves these three characters, these kind of lost, sad, rejected, lonely, forgotten people. They're all so alone, kind of like lepers. But like I said, this gospel isn't really about leprosy. I think it's more about never treating people like they have it. It's really about how we treat those, I think, Probably more than anything, I think it's about how we treat those who scare us and threaten us and hurt us. I was watching this week, I'm sure most of you saw on the news, um, the video of that group of mob, really, of migrants 
who beat up those two cops in Times Square. Like it was enraging. Like isn't that the right word? Like it was enraging. The way they treated these police officers. And then the next day, they get released, also enraging. And then they flip off the press, pretty much everybody. Even more enraging. I couldn't decide if I wanted them deported or jailed. This is scary. You know, the experts keep saying, like, all the time that this lawlessness, these open borders, like, another 9-11 is coming. It's probably in the works because we're letting every bad guy in the world in. And obviously, most of these people aren't bad guys, but some are. I was in uh, Costco a couple of days ago, and I was waiting online, and a uh, guy in front of me, uh, I was dressed, uh, you know, as a priest, um, not like this, I don't wear this in Costco, but I, you know, I was wearing my black, black clerics, and uh, he kind of says, uh, he says hello, and he asked me where my parish was, I told him. He told me where his parish was, I could tell he was a, a church guy, a little bit of small talk, and then he says to me, uh, hey, can I ask you a question? And he said, how come with this whole migrant mess, why are, we, why are we always hearing that Catholic Charities is right there, helping and housing and feeding these people? And I could tell he wasn't happy about that. And I, I said to him, well, I think that's probably what Jesus would have done, help and house and feed if he could. That was his instinct. So it's the churches. And then he said, uh, yeah, but this is out of control. And I said, I know it is. He talked about emergency rooms in cities that are overflowing. People can't get access to medical care because they're overflowing and overrun. I said, I know. Airport terminals that have become like homeless shelters. He said to me, you know, we're, we're, we're going to pay, our taxes are going to pay for this. And I was like, I know, it's crazy. He talked about the whole terror, terrorist possibility, reality, fentanyl, drugs coming through, human trafficking. I was like, I know, I know, I know. He talked about that school in, I think it was Brooklyn, a couple of weeks back that had to go uh, virtual in order to allow migrants to come in and sleep in the school. Like everything, every concern, every outrage that this guy raised, I was like, I agree with you, I know. What's happening is crazy and it's wrong. It's lawless and reckless and we're gonna pay a price and it's gotta stop. I said to him, I'm with you. I told him, he said, my, my, my father worked for the federal government. My father worked for, he was an immigration officer for 20 years. I hear what you're saying. And I even think, I said to him that Jesus would agree with what you're saying. 
He challenged what's going on. I don't think he'd just say, yeah, can everybody come in? We check nothing. And everybody gets everything. I don't think he'd be saying that. But whatever he said and whatever he'd do, Jesus, he'd do it with a merciful heart and a compassionate heart. Like we know he would. He'd never let fear or anger drive the bus. Because when we do that, when we let fear and anger drive the bus, it almost always crashes. And I'm not saying therefore we need to be naive and like silly idealistic. Hey, leprosy was leprosy and you had to separate healthy people from lepers or you'd have a lot more lepers. We've gotta be realistic. But the spirit and the attitude with which we make those tough decisions, they should be shaped like, shaped by gospels like tonight's. It's not about leprosy. It's about how we treat the lepers. You know, that movie I keep referencing here, like the hope of the director was that we would see that story through the eyes of 1970. And I think the hope of this gospel is that we see lepers through the eyes of Christ. Who are our lepers? See them like he saw them.